Welcome into the Picune and the Iverville Preview Podcast. I'm Clay Sweet on the line with us tonight. Jeremy Forehand and also Slick, Ricky Whitaker. And this should be a lot of fun as Jeremy Forehand hosts our the Iverville Postgame Podcast is really our first franchisee, if you will, for the Talking Ball, y'all. Brand down on the coast. Jeremy, thanks for taking time for us tonight, bud. It's always a pleasure to talk some football with you fellas. And Slick, as always, man, you know how much I appreciate um, you. So joining us tonight by phone as, as a way on business. So we appreciate your time, Slick. Hey, man, always happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Jeremy, we're not so used to doing these following a, um, a loss, man, but that's how the Picayune Maroon Tide will make their way down to the Iverville to take on the Warriors after a, a tough loss against Catholic a week ago in overtime. How much of that have you been able to kind of see and take in on social media uh, from the Picayune side, seeing uh, what took place over at Lee Triplett Stadium? Uh, I was kind of thrown off, you know, at first because – I kept following the game, following the score during our game, and for some reason, I was, I'm was i leaving the stadium. I go interview coach and everything, and I'm thinking, y'all won 35-34. You know, they went for two and didn't make it is what I'm thinking. And then finally I get home, and I pull up to Twitter and watch some clips, and next thing I know, I see the, the final score, and that's when I started seeing that final play with the uh, – when the quarterback broke the pocket and tried to, you know, I'm going to say he tried to score because he didn't score. I mean, I'll say it for all you folks up in uh, Pearl Picayune. Uh, he was short, big time. So I know it's a bang-bang play. You can't fault the refs on that end, you know, but just a tough way to lose a game like that. You know, I, I, I think I'd rather lose in the fashion we did as opposed to losing on a two-point conversion or like that in overtime. Slick, I think he kind of echoes your sentiment out in the parking lot that night. Isn't that kind of the same type comment you made as we were loading the stuff in the vehicles, right? Oh, no doubt, man. I mean, it was, uh, it was a big miss. And, you know, I don't even have social media. You know that, Clay, as well as anyone. But I had my daughter, who's 13, and my wife, who doesn't know a whole lot about football either, showing me social media posts. So and there was a lot of people, man, that was sending around that still shot of, the two-point conversion that that apparently was but wasn't yeah and so that's you know a horrible way for a, a winning streak a home winning streak the long winning streak uh, uh for pick you in the end but as far as i'm aware i mean there may have been an undefeated gold um in there in some of your seasonal golds but slick from the perspective of pick all of your your real goals still lay out in front of you am i on the right page there yeah, you're on the right page, Clay. I mean, we've, we've got everything in front of us at the, at the group here. And, you know, it takes attitude, it takes effort, and it takes focus. That's your three main things that the players have to bring in that they can't be coached, right? The players have to bring those, those three things in. And right now it's a focus situation. Back-to-back uh, -back games where, as you so eloquently said, and it was a great statement, you want to see your team get better from week one to week two. But when it came to penalties, we were actually a little bit worse than we were the prior week against a very good Brandon team. And unfortunately, in this this case, uh, we came out on the, the losing end of it. So, you know, botched play call or not in, in overtime, we really shouldn't have been in a situation like that. So I think if this team can can pull their focus together and really, 
I think, Clay, it's going to take these senior leaders on this team to kind of have a players-only meeting, uh, if you want to say that, and just pull this, this group in and say, listen, guys, we got to make sure that we, that we recommit right now this week to one another uh, any any kind of relationship issues that they're having amongst themselves, if that is the case, they need to get those fixed. And I think remind the team, hey, this is the expectations. And uh, if you guys need to rebuy in for the remainder of this season, we need to do that. But as you said, Clay, everything's still in front of this team. Yeah, and when you look at it, Rick, the the penalties, I believe I saw a, a, a stat sheet post-game, 13 penalties overall. It was up near 135 penalty yards. A lot of that yardage, a lot of those infractions took place in the first half. And um, some of it was pre-snap stuff. Catholic was doing something pretty unique with a little shift action um, prior to the snap. Can you kind of speak to what we were seeing um, there, Slick? And I made, you know, uh, I enjoy tennis this time of year. I love it to just see any kind of different sports coverage in the way that it's covered. Chris Fowler uh, calling tennis matches and, and involved in college football kicking off that's intriguing to me the way he balances um those two but we talked about it on friday night sometimes your opponent a high level opponent can force you into some unforced errors because maybe maybe you're just so anxious to get off the ball but in this case i really think that catholic was doing something pretty unique uh to cause us to move they, they were play it was a good coaching move by them uh, on their defensive line to do what they were doing. And, you know, with, with um, the snap count of the picking offense, and I think Brady does a good job of mixing it up, but they were trying to guess, Clay, of when they were going to snap the football and then shift maybe a half second before the play was actually snapped. And by doing so, as you pointed out in our game Friday night, uh, our skill position guys who really, they know what the snap count is, but they're looking at the line of scrimmage. They're not really up close enough to the line to hear the cadence and if it's loud like it was on Friday night they're not going to hear it anyway but with Catholic moving and the timing of their movement uh, you know the, the skill position guys the wide receivers uh, in some cases even tied in they saw that as hey this thing's live now and they were jumping early so they got us and unfortunately they got us several times we never did adjust to that yeah it was an interesting uh, flavor and, and feel to it Jeremy um we made the comment post-game, man, I hate to be next week's opponent, and it dawned on me that it was our buddy from down on the coast. So tell us and tell our listeners, Jeremy, we know the post-game podcast listeners from the Iverville and the coast certainly are aware of the start, but kind of give our listeners a, a scoop on how the season has started for the Iverville thus far. Uh, it's a disappointing start. You know, we've had our spots here and there where – Offense looks uh, semi-decent, you know, but we just, just overall we're just struggling on all three phases. We're we're not tackling very good, which is not, which is not going to help. You know, with this, with the team rolling in this Friday night, it's going to hit you straight in the face, you know. So, you know, they got a lot of guys that are just now either first-time starters. Or they're very young, just getting their first varsity action. So it's a young team. Hopefully, they're going to continue to improve. You know, but they're just they're just struggling all across the board. I mean, they're running it really good at times, but then they'll run it bad for two or three drives. So it's they haven't put a, a good four quarters together so far in these first two games. 
Tell us what to expect out of number six, um, Crosby. He's a, a, a junior, a lot of juniors sprinkled across this Max Prep uh, stat sheet. Tell us about the running back, Crosby. I, I see that he leads um, with nearly 150 yards coming in uh, to, to action. Tell us about him. Yeah, Crosby's a he's he's gotten that uh you know he's a he's a little bit of speed and a, a big body you know he will run up in the middle or he will push to the edge you know the, the one good thing I will say about the offense is they have a lot of running backs that will alternate and there's no set time on when they alternate they will just come in and out you know randomly at different times so. Between Crosby, you know, at one spot, you'll have Kevin Rogers in there a good bit. T.J. Jasper will be another one. And then Marquise Washington is another one that will be in and out. Marquise is a guy you'll see on offense a good bit. He's in and plays defense and defensive back. So you'll see them a little bit. But Crosby's a very, you know, it's hard to compare him to previous guys that we had, you know. He's, a, he's an up-to-gut kind of guy, but... If he gets space, he can push it and break it loose if need be. You know, he's not a he's not a Mike Allstock kind of guy. He's gonna he's gonna hit pound you in tight, but he will get loose if you give him space. Who was it on the Sunday night game? Uh, Sunday night show was that uh, Berman that used to give us the Allstock uh, sound effects as as he as they would show those highlights. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So when I look at the stat sheet, it speaks to what you're talking about there, Jeremy. Sixteen different Warriors have handled the football, whether it be rushing or or catching a pass from from Jones. So they spread it around pretty good to the Warriors. Yeah, they threw a lot more in this last game as opposed to week one. I think week one they only had, I think they threw it 11 times, you know, but he threw it 22 times. They doubled it in this last game, and he had his chances for a couple big plays. You know, he was either a little too deep on it or he's trying to gun it in there when he should be. He just needs to add a little touch here and there, you know. He's not missing by a long shot. I mean, he's got... He's got a he's got a little pressure on the line a little bit here and there, but you know he had he had a couple of deep shots that were potential touchdowns, but he just overshot the the receivers. But uh, he's he's only starting he'll be starting his third game. He only played literally a handful of snaps last year, so he's just now getting started. I mean, I know how it was when you know you first start playing quarterback and. It just it takes time for the game to come to you and for the game to slow down for you to see things that you might not see right away. Yeah, it looks like Stepter's the leading wide receiver. He's got uh, a 66-yard, one catch for 66-yard. And then the next guy is Crosby again. So on the roster, um, Jeremy's listed as a fullback, but he's running the football and then uh, catching it out of the backfield as well. Yeah, that's probably the one good key with the with the wing T style that they run is that they're running backs, but they will run, you know, they put them in wide receiver positions to where, you know, they're hitting the flats off of a wing or they're taking the play action, faking it, hitting the flat, different things like that. They're not strictly high formation. If you're a fullback, you're going to block, and that's about it kind of thing. Everybody does – different things and they all get a chance to touch the ball 
Rick, when you hear Jeremy talk and you hear the stats that I'm, I'm sure that you've already browsed over, it's hard for me to stat, find a stat that you hadn't already kind of pieced together. But that many ball handlers, whether it be through the passing game or receiving out of the wing tee, a little bit different in the functionality when you hear Jeremy talk about that many pass attempts than what Picune's normally used to going against in a wing tee offense. That, Normally, when Picune's faced off against the wing tee, they haven't seen that many passes thrown out of it. Yeah, I think that the Picune defense will have to play disciplined uh, come Friday night. You know, Connor Jones, as Jeremy mentioned, he's only in his third start. I think that he's got a bright future uh, as the signal caller for the Warriors. And you guys already mentioned three of those running backs, Washington, Crosby, and Rodgers. I mean, Crosby and Rodgers went for – 200 yards as a, as a combination against Columbia. That's, that's a pretty good Columbia defense. And, you know, Skepter and Havert, uh, Stafford and, and Havert have a tendency to, to be able to stretch the field out a little bit. So I think they'll take some shots. Um, I think this is a team that, unfortunately for Coach Ladder in his second year, he's only got two full-time starters from a year ago coming back. So um, backs up against the wall a little bit uh, in, in his first two seasons. Slick, when you look at the first two opponents and what they try to do, offensively opposed to what we will see out of uh, the Iverville, the contrast and styles and and maybe um, who we will see defensively be able to impact the game a little more than what we have in the first two weeks, like which, which grouping, whether it be the defensive line, linebackers, or that secondary bunch, does it m- maybe favor to have a big impact defensively for Picayune against this style of football? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it does favor us. Again, we're going to have to play discipline football, but um, I know a lot of those those types of runs and, you know, in the wing tee, you like to try to get outside. Um, if you're running east and west against Picune, it's going to be trouble. I think it opens up uh, an opportunity for Marion Tyson to have a huge game, and I think we see a big bounce-back uh, game from Big 11 for us, Monte Waller and even Tristan Cooper on the other edge getting to the outside, but I think we have to be a little bit careful, too, because you mentioned it. Uh, their second-leading receiver is one of their running backs, so we have to make sure we're covering running backs in the flat. Jeremy, on the other side of the coin, when you look at Picune's numbers coming in, you've got a back in Chris Davis. When you look at us on the uh, old Max Preps machine, he's already got a $500 bill, man. After two ball games, he's got 509 rushing yards and seven touchdowns what are your thoughts you got to see uh davis a little bit in last year's 35 to 7 ball game that was primarily at his cornerback position but your thoughts on chris davis you know it's just just reload you know you got another another four star coming in that's going to take dowdell's place and uh you know, the one thing that kind of surprised me was when I saw that he had two fumbles already through two games. So that could be a factor, you know, on the Warriors side of the ball if it, if it comes about. But you know, Davis is not a not a really big guy, but he's got he's got speed for days. So you give him any kind of room, he's going to go. Um, I did notice, of course, uh, you know, Brady Robertson returning signal caller. You know, me and you, me and you talked about him uh, plenty of times when we when we covered the baseball game. You know, and him and his him and his little brother sharing the field together, that sort of thing. So, always always keep an eye on what how Brady's doing, and you know, he's just usual old uh, 
pick you and quarterback, throw throw when necessary, and complete the passes when you're required to throw them. So I'm expecting the same type offense that we see usually, you know, pound you, pound you, pound you, and, and lull you into a, a false sense of security, and then boom, hit you right over the top with some kind of pass. So, But I'm really looking forward to seeing – Number 11, again, you know, I remember seeing him last year on defense. Uh, of course, Tyson's a, he's a little spitfall, spitfire that tackle, he's a tackling machine from sideline to sideline. So, overall, I always enjoy seeing, if I wasn't watching the Warriors, I'd probably come hang out with y'all and watch them. That's all I could say. Yeah, and uh, I think that's an interesting uh, thing that you said there, Jeremy. How, um, how many people do you think just, you know, some of these names and, and what what Pickens grown uh, to be, what kind of crowd can we expect there uh, on Friday night? Well, I think it'll be a, a really good crowd. I don't think I don't think it's to the point in the season to where uh, nobody, you know, the crowd will lighten up. We had a really good crowd in that first week, and it's, and it's only gotten cooler, so I expect it to be a lot bigger if not, you know, as, as much as you can get in there. Um, it's always a fun time at Warrior Stadium. I will say that. I, I've warned you guys ahead of time that you don't have a whole lot of room, if any room. So, you know, y'all will be kind of close to us, right? On, literally in the bleachers right on the other side of us. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good atmosphere, a big-time game. Hopefully, to, I just hope the Warriors can stay in it. That's all. That's what I'm hoping for. For the Warriors to stay in at Jeremy, uh, Coach Ladner, I know uh, from speaking to you uh, last year that you you thought a lot of uh, Coach Ladner and what he could potentially be there for the Warriors. Tell us what his club would have to do uh, in this one, and I'm going to say to pull an upset to be in the ball game as you describe. What are two or three things that the Warriors would have to do well on Friday night? First thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to tackle. Uh, they're going to have to tackle. That's all capital letters would be T-A-C-K-L-E because <laughs> that's one thing they've had trouble with these first two games. And it even bled back in the last season where at times they were having trouble tackling. they got to tackle and they got to play really good defense. But I think they need to have a turnover, whether it be a fumble interception. They gotta, they've got to commit. they got to get some turnovers and be able to give your offense the more possessions to to slow to kind of slow the game down somewhat, but you want to speed it up all at the same time, if that means anything. But I think they're going to have to com- complete passes on offense. I think if we can do that, I think everything will fall. Because I think com- completing passes is going to open up the running game, which it kind of did against Gauthier. But it was just, you know, when you're down 22, it's kind of too late at that point. So that's what I'm – tackle, com- turnovers, and complete passes is what I'm looking for. And Slick on the other side for Picune to show the type of uh, focus that you talked about. I believe that was in our uh, first segment or the first few uh, questions with you. What would be some good indicators that uh, Picune is indeed uh, focused on Friday night? Well, I think first off, we don't see, what did you say, 12 penalties for a game. Uh, we had about 10 in the first half last week. 
I think if we don't see that, um, that's going to be a good thing. I mean, the biggest dragon that Vicky's got to slay is the one with inside themselves right now, and that's getting out of their own way. So if they can do that, I think they'll be in pretty good shape on Friday night. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Uh, Slick, I appreciate you as always. Jeremy, I feel the same way. Look forward to hugging your neck on Friday night. I did want to ask you, Jeremy, your your love for the Florida State Seminoles, what, what does that stem from? And, and you got to feel pretty good about uh, the way things are going over in Tallahassee. But tell our listeners, I know you were former uh, Mr. Warrior, Mr. D. Iverville Warrior over that way, but tell us about – uh, your fanship for Florida State? I guess it was around, uh, I was about 12, 13 years old. It was right around, the the one game I remember around the time it started was 1990 Blockbuster Bowl. And just for all you youngins out there, Blockbuster oh, was Blockbuster. a video, a place we went to rent videotapes to watch movies and stuff, okay? Oh, so they had a 1990 Blockbuster Bowl. It was Penn State versus Florida State. I had it on VHS. And I don't know exactly what made me start watching them. I might have seen them. I think at that time I probably seen them on TV a couple different times, and I just clicked in. It, it sure as heck didn't hurt that they had the or chant and we mm. used and we liked to hear it when we were at you know at the Iberville sure. and that sort of thing along with hearing it at the Braves it was just that mm. that whole thing melted together but you know I've followed along followed them since then my mother had a cousin that worked at the bookstore in Florida State campus so he would send me stuff every now and then I've got a couple of Bobby Bowden autograph pictures wow. floating around here things like that but it's just you know, I've been following it ever since then. I don't like Miami. I don't like Florida. Uh, sorry about that, Monta. You know, bear with me. But uh, well, so it's so I've got you on. Very this. excited and very pumped to see how it went on Sunday night. I knew you would be Buckley. I know he was. I guess a Pascagoula guy. That was before yeah, during Buckley that time. Was a, that was a little bit right before I started watching. But yeah, he was a. He was a Pascagoula graduate that went to Tallahassee to go to Florida State. And they also had a quarterback Matthews. at the time who ended up at at, at the University of Florida, Shane, Shane Matthews, Matthews, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was a little bit of connection. You know, there's there's a couple there's a couple of connections from down here that end up flowing that away for some reason. It always seems to be over in that Pascagoula area. Yeah, so Casey Weldon was the quarterback back in 90, right? Yeah. And then yep. and a few years after that, that Charlie Ward took the scene, and boy, he was he was fun to watch. Yeah, he was yeah, before that's why his would, time. That's why I got pretty pumped whenever y'all was bringing up, you know, when you brought up the Catholic graduates and people mm-hmm. from Catholic, and the first one you said was old 28 Ward Dunn. So I was pretty, pretty amped up after that. Yeah, and I wanted to. T- I'm glad you brought up uh, Warwick Dunn. This is something I went. I wanted to mention during our coverage during the game or the preview. If if anybody wants to go look up Warwick Dunn's story, I made. I believe my son go look it up and just boy, what a human he is. And so uh, I'd take time if I was a sports fan and wasn't just real sure of the Warwick Dunn story. I'd I'd go find some stuff and spend about ten or fifteen minutes reading about him and his story it's uh it's pretty special stuff yeah no doubt all the all the houses that he mm. that he's built and and gave to folks it's just a 
It's a great thing. He played for the Bucks. That's probably about the worst thing I could say about him. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Well, guys, I appreciate y'all, and we appreciate our listeners and sponsors, and we'll talk again on Friday night. Uh, Jeff, a plug for the podcast and the app. If you haven't already, go download the Talking Ball Y'all app. You can find it in the Google Store and then also in the Apple Store. I'm talking to Jeff. He's over here producing. He doesn't even have a real headset on, and he's worked with me long enough to motion at me like, you idiot, I don't have a headset on. But go download the app. We have such good response from it, man. Sam Landrum did a beautiful job of uh, designing that thing and putting it together, and the numbers are incredible. So um, go do that, and and we appreciate y'all. We'll talk on Friday night.